Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we ask you to be with us today to bless our efforts to build your kingdom and glorify you through all that we do. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Excited today to have Dr. Kim Hardy. He is a pro-life physician here in Lafayette. Many of our listeners know Dr. Kim, but welcome to the show, Doc. Thank you. And our guest today uh, is no stranger to the show, Mr. Kevin Norman. will be co-hosting today. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, good morning, good afternoon. All right. So, Doc, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm an old doctor. I've had a pro-life conversion about maybe 40 years ago, and I've been involved in the pro-life movement in many different ways over the years. Nice. Uh, so, Doc, you say you're an old guy. You look like a young guy, I think, you know. And I think the Holy Spirit really put us uh, apart today, Kevin. I'll, I'll tell you, we've been doing adoration at St. Pius for quite a while, and I guess that's your home church. And uh, Doc walks in just like, uh, you know, beautiful, uh, walked in and like the Holy Spirit and, uh, and and sat in front of the adoration chapel with our group. And, uh, and you know, here we are. Um, where are you from? I grew up in Covington. Okay. Went to St. Paul's. I, uh, I came to USL, left for medical school came back after my pro-life conversion maybe 15 years later tell us a little bit about that i always you know uh, my kids ask me often you know dad what's a conversion you know what's that like mm-hmm. and so you know i always want to know is it, is it one big moment or is it is it a lot of things during mm-hmm. your life but tell us about yours i think it starts early and it goes on and on till you're dead it, you, know, <laughs> you never quit converting you never quit turning back to god but but no i at one time uh, was chasing the world pretty well and uh, my wife got pregnant right after we got married when contraception failed and i thought briefly about aborting the baby and uh when he was born it just changed my whole life i decided that day i was a resident or as a, as a medical student i decided i would do my residency in OBGYN and try to help women choose life and that's been 40 years now amen well he he certainly uh, has had a role in in our family todd doc was there in charge of facilitating the delivery of all three of our children and even overseeing the pregnancy that for the one that we have in heaven now so uh, he's been a special part of our lives also attended natural family planning class that doc was teaching back in the day yeah just been a real um, a real witness to the pro-life and to the Catholic faith for us I'll even go back to uh, the when when my own conversion was happening of sorts and mine definitely wasn't a single moment in time but it was a journey but I, I take it all the way back to when I started participating in group and community uh, diving deeper together with brothers and the first time I really did that uh, as an adult was in a group that doc was hosting as a group leader and it was called Familia and it was a group of Catholic men fathers that were really diving into the the, the writings of the popes and understanding our um, our creed very deeply uh, and it was just beautiful so thank you doc for all of that that you've shared in our lives and in my life you're welcome so doc tell us about your family a little bit where did you meet your wife how many children you have mm-hmm. well we met in Covington after high school when we were in college we didn't know each other before 
and uh, dated for three years, maybe from 1976, got married in 1979. We had two children and thought we were done, and uh, the nine-year-old son, Brad, was killed in a hit by a car, and uh, we thought at that time we'd have all the babies we could get, and miscarried once and had one more child, and then uh, Stephen, and uh, never gotten pregnant again. Mm. I've, I've had a string of guests, it seems like, just totally devout, wonderful Cajun Catholics uh, on the show, and it seems like that has been a theme that I've been su- so surprised that each has lost a child, and I can't imagine trying to overcome that, but, you know, I guess it's it's a testament to your marriage, but how do you get through something like that? Well, it helps when you can see God working in your life, when uh, immediately for me, God showed me how selfish I was and how... Uh, how materialistic I was, how worldly I was, even though I thought I was a good Catholic. I was going to Mass every Sunday, uh, teaching CCD. (laughs) But uh, then I realized uh, how much further he wanted me to go, and I'm still working on it after 30 years. But I think suffering for most Catholics, if they embrace it and try to see God's hand in it, will actually become better people from their suffering, less in love with this world and more in love with the world to come, which is, should be the most important thing for us all. That's awesome. And, and that, that suffering and that, that conversion, if I recall, uh, Doc, is um, what, part of what brought you back to Lafayette. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I was quite happy in Alabama giving out my contraception for many years, had a really good practice there, loved it there, everything about it. And God showed me over the next couple of years, mainly through my wife, who believed I shouldn't be given contraception to my patients and kept working on me till finally I surrendered and realized uh, contraception is a great moral evil. It's responsible for just about any evil you see in our country today, from abortion to sex outside of marriage to now all this uh, LGBTQ, whatever all those alphabet letters mean, you know, <laughs> it's all related to that. Oh, did I mention homosexuality? It's all related to the idea of sex is just for fun. And so when I realized how much harm I was doing, thinking I was doing good, that uh, I quit giving out contraception and it led to my having to relocate and Lafayette turned out to be a very Catholic, pro-NFP kind of place. I want to talk about that. You know, Lafayette is the heart of Cajun country and Cajun Catholics, the inspiration for the show. And, you know, you lived in Alabama. And and I guess for me, you know, tell me a little bit about what makes Lafayette and Cajun country so (laughs) unique, especially as it pertains to our Catholic faith. (laughs) Well, interestingly, um, when I was in my conversion mode, I was on an island because we had 50,000 people in town, 250,000 within a 20-mile radius of the town. We had one Catholic church, two nice priests, 800 families, and really it was very hard before the internet to really learn Catholic faith, what it really meant. And so I so we struggled with that. When God moved us over here, now we have uh, information everywhere. So many different things you can do to become a better Catholic, you know, from Curcio to Acts, uh, things that would never exist over where I was in Alabama, so Mm -hmm. many graces have come, many opportunities have come here that would have never happened if we'd stayed in Alabama. I'm going to ask another question. I had read your interview on EWTN that I read uh, about. You mentioned in the interview that many of your patients had come through Curcia, and uh, and you mentioned Curcia, and and Kevin and I are both Curcia's. Have you made your Curcia? I did that as soon as my feet hit the ground in Acadia. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I got here, I was really afraid I'd fail, and so I was trying to see what I could do to help promote 
chastity and, and natural family planning in the area. So I was looking for anybody who was looking for that. So <laughs> I went through Crusoe, I went through a Life in the Spirit seminar. I mean, I did everything I could think of. Everything that came along from St. Joseph Covenant Keepers to Acts. I mean, uh, there's just been so many things. Uh, anything that I thought would do something to improve the kingdom of God here mm -hmm. I've tried to be involved with it because I was thinking that's the only way my practice would survive not the best intention but my primary intention ultimately was to build the kingdom of God yeah you know I, I just I've always said you know my mother started the women's Crusia and Prairie <laughs> Roan and and my uncle Mickey Forche was sort of at the beginning of, of the men's Crusia and it's been in my family for a long time but it's it's the hidden secret of Acadiana you know for me for the men certainly and for the women is that, you know, women, the women's Garcia came along a lot later, but you know, you see this faith and it's hard to see when you're on the ground level, but when you go out, you, you see how special Acadiana is, how many churches we have and how, how, how much we attend. We were just talking about how with the coronavirus, you know, now people are really starting to come back to church. I see it in my, in my church as well, you know, but I guess it is the hidden secret of Acadiana. It's because I feel like, you know, I'm just, my testimony is that, you know, the Holy Spirit touched me at Cursia in such a deep and profound way that it changed my life. It was my conversion, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so how is it, I guess you do, when you when you see your patients as as much a, a counselor as you are their doctor, you know, but uh, they must really appreciate that relationship. I've seen so many of your reviews. That's, that's uh, something that makes you very proud, I'm sure. I've never seen any reviews. <laughs> <laughs> They're online. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, there were patients who were tired of doctors telling them, you need your tubes tired, or you shouldn't have any more children, or you need contraception. And, uh, and they were tired of it. And so my initial surge was mostly really serious Catholics who were glad to have a doctor who encouraged them to, to follow God's plan for their marriage better. Mm -hmm. uh, and over the years, it evolved. You know, there were more people who came maybe were tempted to use natural family planning, used it for a few pregnancies, but then gave up. And uh, so it's really been an interesting experiment in trying to uh, trying to build the culture of life. It, it is, and, and um, I, in our case, I remember my wife, Dana, was uh, just looking for someone that she could trust. And, and that's uh, a unique thing in our, in our Catholic faith, you know, with our pro-life beliefs and, and um, we were just really blessed uh, when we heard about and found Dr. Hardy and um, never looked back. Doc, uh, I have a daughter that lives in San Antonio, and um, they sought out a pro-life physician there. And uh, and just uh, they've decided to come back to Lafayette, thank God. And uh, they began to search out the uh, same thing, wanted to find a similar doctor. And, of course, that just, you know, San Antonio is not that far, but your reputation precedes yourself. You know, they had heard of you. And I believe you have a, uh, is there another doctor that's in your practice? Uh, yeah, Dr. Cudahy is a young doctor, and he's maybe getting a partner where he's looking into it to try to keep that pro-life presence here. So things look good. Yeah, uh, I had hoped here. many Catholic doctors would see that you could survive without contraception and sterilizations and convert, but only a very few have. Most doctors still here that deliver babies cling to the you know, traditional, more culturally normal things like the contraception and sterilization. The young couples really have heard of him and you, uh, for that matter, and there's a lot of chatter about it, you know. And so how did y'all get put together? Well, <laughs> after 20 years of solo practice, delivering babies five nights a week, 
I was looking for someone to come to take over because I, I don't deliver babies anymore. I was tired and, um, and I really felt God was okay with it. I prayed about it for a long time. And he saw an ad I had placed in a pro-life magazine, called and was looking to relocate from Pennsylvania, came to interview and uh, wow. it just worked out great because he loves it here. He loves the Catholicity, uh, especially the way the country's going right now. We are so fortunate to be here where you can practice your Catholic faith, uh, practice Catholic medicine, and, uh, and not be ridiculed or otherwise persecuted. Mm, nice. It's true. One of the other things that uh, I think has, in, in my mind, for me, defined Dr. Hardy's um, path in his journey it has been involvement in the, in the crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> well, oh, I guess Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, uh, when I got here, of course, I was looking to work in that, too. I had a promised God years ago that I would always see women in crisis and do a free ultrasound and encourage them to keep the baby. I've been the, what he called the medical director for crisis pregnancy centers in, uh, back in Alabama. And then, of course, the, the, I, when I first got here, there was not a Catholic one. The one, the Protestants had done a great job starting. I was on the board of that one. Then when the Catholic one became a reality 20 years ago, uh, I've been the medical director for many, many years until Dr. Cuddy, he took over, and I've been on the board for 20 years. And then as I've slowed down deliveries or stopped them, I'm now the medical director of the a pregnancy center and clinic that's a Protestant mostly run here in town and also the Opelousas Crisis Pregnancy Center. So it's not a big job. It doesn't take a lot of my time, but they need someone to say, I will be your medical director. and kind of oversee the medical thing. So it's a great way I can help them serve God and build pro-life culture as I don't actually do deliveries anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest is Dr. Kim Hardy. He is a pro-life physician and been in Lafayette for a long time and uh, really a, a blessing to our community. And a very, I knew from Dr. Kim from all of my friends, Jeff Benton and you know, uh, several of my friends that, of course, Kevin, and that just speak so highly of him. And he's just, uh, again, a blessing to our community and, and uh, also an inspiration to all of us. But, Doc, you know, I see you in the Adoration Chapel uh, the other day and very, uh, very devout. And I have a lot of, um, you know, I, I see how you reverence the Eucharist. But t- tell me a little bit about uh, how do you, you know, I always wonder, how does someone get to the point of their faith life where it's so strong? But t- tell me a little bit about how uh, your relationship with Christ. Well, I, the show's not long enough to tell you all the <laughs> sufferings I've had. And I'm not complaining. I'm grateful for them now as I have them in the rearview mirror. But uh, quickly when I came here, my wife and I both decided to try to go to Mass every day. So we've been doing that for 27 years, every day we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been doing a holy hour every day for 27 years. And so we realized that this was going to be very difficult, what we were taking on, that uh, we would need God's grace, we would need God's inspiration and help. And, and we were so grateful to God for everything he'd done for us, pulling us through all these things that didn't go our way and ultimately did go our way through his grace and, and through prayer. And so, uh, uh, and also, it, this will sound silly, but we really believe that God wants us to uh, not take this life for granted, that he wants us to see eternity as being so important that the more we can worship him and adore him here, we're just practicing for hopefully an eternity with him in heaven. 
give me a little glimpse of your your daily regimen for probably you mentioned you're kind of an insomniac <laughs> but um do you read a lot of the bible where are you in your in your in your faith journey today uh, well, I do read the Bible a lot. Plus, I love a little book called Conversations with God. It's like a seven-volume set that gives you a reading for every day. Um, I'm Right now, I'm in the middle of, uh, for Lent, I'm doing the Ignatius uh, mm-hmm. spiritual exercises. It's like a 28-day a uh, you know, med- daily meditation. It's awesome. It's just very powerful. But no, my normal routine, I read the Bible pretty much every day. I read a lot of religious books. I mean, we have like practically a library of books that we've read, more my wife than me. I don't always finish them. But we um, constantly trying to learn my faith better to be a resource with what limited abilities I have from God that I can use them to be an authority, I guess, or, or a source of information, I should say, for people who have questions about the faith. You mentioned uh, your wife a few times uh, already, and it's it it, it kind of brings me back to I I, sh- I tell people sometimes that um, I might be the spiritual leader or the priest of my family, but but Dana's certainly the pioneer in many ways. Um, can you do you want to elaborate a bit more on on your wife's influence in, in your faith journey? Uh, well, sure. She. Um She's helped me out at every time we got to a crossroads where we could have gone left away from God or right closer to God. She has been there always just instinctively and through her faith life knowing which way to go. You know, the when I just mentioned for a second, somebody said, why don't you abort your baby 30 or 39 years ago or so, immediately she was standing right there and said, no way. Then later when the contraception issue became uh, key, she was like a bulldog. She just would not give up on it, making sure we went the right way. And, and still to this day, you know, always challenging me to, to do more, to, to love more, to, to uh, live my faith better. She's, she's uh, very gifted, very solid in her faith, and it's great to be married to somebody like that. Yeah, I think the the theme in my prayer life right now is is really being in a state of sanctifying grace, and and I think that um, you know I hear I've had a lot of guests on the show recently that are very devout Catholics, but their children have strayed a little bit, and even in many ways their parents weren't really practicing Catholics, and in my family some of that as well, you know. But um, I, I think I want to challenge our listeners to hear, you know, when you when you it's worth it. Like I think a lot of people that have left the church have been divorced and doesn't want don't want to go through the annulment and whatnot. And uh, and and then it's the same thing with the kids. Well, you know, they say, well, you know, let the kids figure it out on their own. And you know, but 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 it's it's so important to be in that state of sanctifying grace. I pray for that every day. You know, for me, and Je- Kevin has challenged me. Uh, to say an extra decade of the rosary, and when I exercise, uh, the one that I always do is the Eucharist. It's the Mysteries of Light. It's the fifth one, and that for me, the grace is sanctifying grace. You know, uh, um, so you know, it's definitely come up in my prayer life. And like most good Cajun Catholics, Doc, uh, you're a fisherman, so I know you can relate to Peter and the rest of the apostles. But uh, tell me how you know Bible stories uh, appear in, 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 and they seem to repeat themselves in our daily life, but you, you feel some of that? Uh, the Bible stories, you mean, repeating themselves the way we live our lives Yeah, today. just in, yeah. In, even in your patience that you have sometimes, yeah. uh, Bible stories that relate. Yeah, I, I think the Bible was written, of course, 2,000 years ago, but it was meant to be written 
and for us to read just like it was written for us, mm-hmm. like God is speaking to us through the Bible. And the man hasn't changed that much. We still have the same problems, our attraction to sin, our, our desire for worldly honors, for money, for pride to exert ourselves, that, that things don't change. And so the, the same examples of Christ's love, Christ's mercy, Christ's kindness, and the sin that people committed throughout the Bible just repeat themselves, it's really not much different. So yeah. we just have to apply it to today's times. And, and I wanted to say, uh, if you're a Catholic listening to this and you love the church, this is the time we need to be reinforcing our beliefs, reinforcing our knowledge, because this country, I suspect, will have more suffering the way it's going. And, and some of these people who have left the church will be looking for somebody to talk to to help lead them back, to teach them the truth, to understand what we believe. And so the more time we can spend becoming apostles, becoming able to go in defense of the church, I think there's going to be a time coming where it's going to be needed. I I completely agree. I think it's a great point. And and something you said earlier about um, um, how easy it is to be Catholic here in Lafayette, it's something that uh, I never want to take for granted, but it's so easy to take for granted. Whereas when we go in other places in the country, other places in the world, it's so drastically different. Um, Catholicism or even Christianity in many places is um, uh, is, is is quieted. It's it's uh, put down and and um, and kind of uh, practiced in a hidden way, um, out of maybe out of fear or just uh, or just awkwardness because it's not socially uh, as accepted as it is here in Lafayette. So it's something we don't want to take for granted, for sure. I was listening to the uh, homily at Holy Cross the other day, and the priest said he was living in Shreveport for a while, and then he decided to come back to Louisiana. <laughs> and uh, I said, "Well, that really, you know, that really nails it. You know, if you're from South Louisiana, and, and also being Catholic." But uh, I, I actually was passing through Shreveport, and, and there's an amazing Basilica Church in uh, in Shreveport that I stumbled across. I believe it's uh, uh, oh, it's it's the same as the name as the one in Grand Coteau. Uh What is uh, Charles Borromeo? Yeah, yeah. I think is it. Uh, I think it is. But just a beautiful. But there's not. I don't know that there's that many Catholics in uh, in Shreveport. But uh, you know, um, it is. It's a unique place, and um, you know, I love it down here. And I mean, I've never lived anywhere else, and I don't plan to, to go any any anytime <laughs> soon. You know. So Doc, uh, you know, one of the things that you and I ran across uh, uh, each other was when the retreat house was was happening here, and we were trying to get that going in Lafayette, and uh, and that was a special time. And I believe that's the the legionary priest that had come. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're into a lot of different things, but um, tell us a little bit more about your endeavors outside your outside of your physician job. Well, I've made an axe retreat, and that seems to be where the Holy Spirit's moving for me right now, that there's, uh, at St. Pius, it's, it was really strong for COVID, and it's still doing well. Some great people uh, who are seeking God. It's, I love people who are trying to find God, trying to grow in holiness, and so I'm pretty involved in the little axe small group meetings, and I've served on about four axe retreats. Um, I'm still in Raynham Christie. I love it. Uh, it's growing again after the... the uh, the downfall a little bit after some scandals occurred, but there's some great people in that, and we're served by some very holy uh, legionary priests out of Covington. There's about six of them that come to town and put on retreats for us, and I really think it's still a good path for people who are called to it to grow in holiness, to learn their faith better, and to understand the spiritual life. 
If someone wanted to be proactive in the in the pro-life movement, you mentioned the pregnancy center. Is there something that they can? How can they donate or help? You know, get involved. Tell us about that. Well, well, locally, of course, the Desormo Foundation is the Catholic uh, uh, main place for funding for the crisis pregnancy center and the pro-life movement. The the diocese kind of lets the private sector take that on. Um, now. In statewide, the Louisiana Right to Life has a great amount of Catholic involvement, and they need our money because they are the ones that work politically to make sure that the bills are passed that should be passed. So, so if you're generous and you're looking for a for a place to donate, I I, I think those two are the very best, uh, where your money will be well spent and you'll uh, support the people who are trying to do what we should be doing. It does seem like Louisiana Right to Life has, has really been on the forefront of the pro-life battle nationwide, bringing bills forward that have um, put Louisiana front and center in the Supreme Court, really challenging, uh, um, you know, where our, our federal government stands. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Dr. David Roy had come on the show. He's a really warrior for <laughs> pro-life. I'm, I'm sure you know him very well, yeah. And uh, he he uh, he kind of led me to, to this lady that was in Homa that was having messages from the Blessed Mother, and she said that Louisiana was going to be the the just the bellwether state in the pro-life movement, and um, you know that the governor would have a hand in it. And you know, I I in recent times Georgia had the heartbeat bill, and uh, I think Louisiana sorta had adopted that, but. You know, I just would say, I know I, I want to compliment you that, you know, you you and Dr. David Roy, I mean, for me, these guys are the warriors for the pro-life movement. Not just in Louisiana, it's a, there was a gentleman that wrote a book, how the Curciestas down in South Louisiana would be the, the tell, you know about that a little bit, yeah? I, I think I've heard that, but I've never yeah, read it. Yeah, and so I believe that, you know, I believe that uh, that it starts with us and uh, us good Cajun Catholics can make a difference throughout the world you know, and what we do. Um, so again, just a couple of minutes left on the show, Doc, and uh, I, I'm sure you've gotten to travel a little bit in life, but uh, again, tell us, uh, what, what is it that makes South Louisiana so unique that you, that you enjoy? What is it, what's your favorite part of it? Well, Louisiana, especially in this Lafayette area, has such a deep Catholic faith that's been propagated on the sacrifices of many people over many generations, many good priests, and the faith is still really strong here. Uh, I don't think we can take it for granted at all because we have to teach our children, we have to be sure they learn their faith, and that we encourage them to make the decisions that are sometimes unpopular to, uh, to live their faith. Uh, very, very important. Um, I think you're right that God, if you look at the history of mankind, you know, over 4,000 years, you know, he works in ways we don't even anticipate and can't understand. And so we don't have to worry about the big plan. We've been promised God wins in the end. So all we can do is use what God's given us to be the best Catholics we can be so that we can be available to God when whatever he's going to do to try to save this poor country and the souls of so many people who are so confused uh, that we can be available and be a, a resource for him. And uh, it'll be amazing to see the end of the results of all this when we're dead, you know, especially at the end of the world to, see, to see the little things that you guys have done that seem little that had effects on people that you won't see till the end of time when you see those people you converted that converted somebody else who ends up being the next uh, leader of the pro-life movement. You know, those little things we can't possibly know 
but we act in faith and do things with our eyes on eternity and love for the church. If you follow those things and try to grow in personal holiness, you've done your life well for what God's given you. Amen. 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 Uh, just uh, so heartwarming to have you in the booth here today and uh, see you in the Adoration Chapel. Uh, and uh, just know that I'll be praying for you, Kevin. Uh, we'll certainly, uh, our spiritual group will have you in our prayers. And I hope you come and join us back real soon. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. So you've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. You can hear us on Apple Podcast, on Spotify. If you search Cajun Catholics, uh, engage the Cajun Catholic in you. That's the challenge. And, and again, thank you for listening to us. God bless. God bless.